Welcome to the Teaching Behavior Together podcast, where I provide you with actionable steps for making your classroom management plan effective by incorporating behavioral and social-emotional learning activities into your daily teaching. Hi, I'm Maria, and I have 10 years experience in the field of behavior analysis. In each episode, I will be providing you with effective and evidence-based strategies you can use to create a classroom environment you want to go to each morning. No longer will you be driving home in tears over the overwhelming feeling of trying to manage student behaviors. So sit back, listen up, and start seeing success. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Teaching Behavior Together podcast. Today, we're going to be talking all about different strategies you can utilize for work refusal behaviors. So let's just get right into it. There can be several reasons why students are refusing to complete work or avoiding work in general. And the very first strategy I have would be to try and figure out why. What about this task is something that the student doesn't want to complete or they're trying to escape for some reason? You can ask yourself things like, is it too hard? Is it too easy? Does the student know the steps they need to complete this task? Do they know how to complete the task? Do they find it boring? Any of those questions can help lead you to why they're looking to avoid or escape that task. These, along with many other reasons, can be reasons why a student might be avoiding or escaping a task. Again, you just want to try and figure out the why behind that. What about the task is something that the student is looking to escape or avoid? We can put a lot of strategies in place that allow a student to escape or avoid a task, but at the end of the day, they typically have to return to that task and complete it. So it's not like they can avoid and escape it forever. So say they're, you know, we teach them to ask for a break for, you know, to escape a task for five minutes. They still have to come back to that task and they probably still don't want to do it for whatever reason. So figuring out that why is going to be the essential first step to implementing any type of strategy within your classroom. Now, this is definitely easier said than done. You're probably thinking, well, duh, like, of course, I'm trying to figure out the why, like, why don't they want to engage in this task? But really asking yourself different questions about what about this task is something that they're looking to escape or avoid, and how do we adjust the task or modify the task so it meets their level of need so that they're able to engage in that task successfully. Most people do not typically try to escape or avoid things that they can do successfully or that they're really engaged with. So then how do we make the task something that they can be successful with and really engage with so that they're learning from whatever task you're having them do? So let's break down some of those different reasons why and different strategies that we can put in place to address those different reasons. So the very first reason that comes to mind is that a task might be too difficult. We might look to previous assessment data or we might look to different tasks that we've had students complete to really identify is this something that might be too challenging for a student to engage in right now and then just like leading them to a lot of frustration. So sometimes we refer to that as the frustration level activities. We want to potentially avoid those if we have a student who's engaging in a lot of escape or avoidance behavior for those frustration level tasks before we really build the skills that they need to engage in those tasks successfully. So again, it might just be that we're identifying that this might be a little bit too challenging. What about it is too challenging and how do we build up those more micro skills so that they're able to engage in this skill successfully? Again, you can look at previous assessment data or different activities that you've had them do in the past that might have been more challenging for them to identify, okay, what about this skill is challenging and what can I do to teach the skills that the student needs to be successful with it? 
And the flip side of that, a task might be too easy for them to engage in. So it's just not something that they find engaging. So they're just trying to avoid it. If a task is too easy for them, how do we modify the task so it's more engaging, more difficult, and so they can be successful with something in the classroom that they find engaging, right? So for both of these, too easy, too hard, we're just gonna modify the task to meet the level of need of our student, right? So if it's too hard for them to do, we want to modify the task so that they can be successful with it and really incrementally build the skills that they need to be successful with the skills within that task. And then if it's too easy, we would allow for some sort of modification that would make it more challenging or add an extra component onto that task that would make it more engaging for that student to complete that task. If you have a task that has multiple steps to it, one thing that I always try and assess is does a student know how to break down a multi-step task into the smaller micro steps that they need to engage in to engage in that task successfully? This is a skill that we might need to explicitly teach to our students. So if you have a multi-step activity that you find that your students are avoiding or escaping or engaging in behaviors that allow them to avoid or escape that task, it might be because they don't know how to organize that information in a way that allows them to carry out each step of that task successfully. So if this is the case, I would really focus on how do we teach our students to break down different aspects of a task so that they know exactly what steps they need to engage in to complete that task successfully. And this can be as simple as teaching a student to identify the action words within the task so that they're able to, okay, I identified the different steps that I need to take. I make myself some sort of to-do list for this task, and then I just check off those different items as I engage with the task. So for a lot of students, I find that this happens with writing tasks. Writing is a very, very complex skill and breaking down the different aspects of writing and what I actually need to do to lead to a completed product can be very overwhelming for students who struggle with this piece of executive functioning. This is an executive functioning skill, being able to break down a larger task into the micro components that allow you to then complete that larger task, okay? So this is just something that we need to teach explicitly. So then we would teach the student, how do you break down this writing task, what is the very first thing you need to do? And then the next thing, and then the next thing. In ABA, we call these task analyses. So a task analysis is a list of every single action step you have to take to complete a task. So let's say like a lot of times we use task analyses for different life skills, like making a sandwich or folding clothes or something along those lines. We can then utilize these task analyses for academic skills as well. You just take a very big task and you break it down to each different micro component. I'm talking like the smallest steps of the task. You write out each small step and that really gives the student the direction that they need to engage with this task. So at first it might be that you're identifying all of the steps and then you're teaching them to identify all the steps and then they're teaching they're identifying those steps independently and then successfully carrying out that task. So again, with any task that has multiple steps, this is usually the very first thing I look at. Can a student reliably identify the steps that they need to engage in to be successful with this task? And if not, then I need to teach this skill explicitly. Another aspect of different tasks would be mode of completion. So looking at the mode of completion and saying, okay, is this a pattern? Do I see whenever there's a writing task that a student might be engaging in behavior that allows them to escape or avoid that? Is it something about writing that is really challenging for them? Can I allow them a different mode of completion that would allow me to identify that they know the different aspects of this task or can engage in this skill, but it not doesn't necessarily have to involve that writing component of it. 
So a lot of those strategies we just talked about are what are considered antecedent strategies. So what strategies can we put in place prior to the behavior occurring so that we can increase the success of our students and really see the behaviors that we want to see within our classroom, okay? So again, those were a lot of antecedent strategies. We are going to talk about a couple more antecedent strategies, and then we're going to talk about some behavior teaching strategies as well as consequence strategies that we can utilize in the classroom to address these types of work refusal behaviors. Another antecedent strategy would be providing a lot of choice around the task. So think about different meaningful choices that you can give to the student around the task. I know the choice of pencil or pen is a very common type of choice that we give a student, or do you want to sit or stand? Those are great choices to offer, but I would really encourage us to look at more meaningful choices around the task, like do you want to teach me the concept and I'll write down all the answers? Or do you want to write down all of your answers on a whiteboard? Or do you want to work with a peer or by yourself? Do you want to do this different activity in a different way? Again, with that mode of completion, giving different choices around mode of completion can be really, really effective. So when you're thinking about choices, try and make them really meaningful choices that would allow the student to have something meaningful again to pick from. I'm not trying to criticize any teacher that utilizes the pen or pencil mode of different choices. Again, any type of choice is a, is a good strategy to use, but if we can take a step past, you know, do you wanna use a pen or pencil? Oftentimes students are not usually typically avoiding a task because they wanna use a pen and you're making them use a pencil. So if you're giving choices, make sure that the choices are really meaningful as, as much as you can around that task. Another great antecedent strategy to use is called behavioral momentum. And behavioral momentum is essentially when you build off of small successes. So you have students engage in behaviors that you know that they can do and be successful with, and you build up to something that is more um, challenging for that student to engage in. So for example, if you are having them do some sort of math activity, I might start with problems that the student has already completed successfully before moving on to more challenging or new problems. So those are a bunch of different antecedent strategies you can use to address work refusal behaviors in your classroom. Now we're gonna talk about some different behavior teaching strategies you can use to address these behaviors. So again, if you are assessing these types of behaviors, really looking at why is the student engaging in this work refusal behavior, you can usually identify skills that we need to teach our students to be more successful with that task. So what I would do is really identify the why and then focus some tier two or tier three level interventions around those skills, okay? So we're gonna focus on utilizing tier two groups or tier three intensive interventions within our classrooms so that we're really teaching skills to our students that they might not have right now that is leading them to try and escape or avoid a specific task. So again, typically students don't avoid or escape tasks that they can reliably do successfully unless if they find it really boring or not engaging, right? So if there's some sort of skill deficit, then we need to teach that skill explicitly to our students. And this is where our tiered level approach really comes in handy. So again, identifying the skills that we need to teach and then utilizing tier two or tier three level interventions in our classroom to help support these skills. Sometimes these skills involved executive functioning or sometimes they are related to some sort of academic content area. So if they do involve executive functioning, you might be looking at things again, like breaking a task down to small chunks or initiating a task or completing a task or whatever it might be. So you're just teaching those skills explicitly within your tier two or tier three level groups. And then if it's based on an academic skill, then you would be teaching that specific academic skill. So maybe you identify that the student needs support in reading. So you're gonna be teaching some sort of reading skill, whether it's reading 
reading fluency, comprehension, whatever it might be that they need extra support in so that they can complete those tasks successfully. We also can teach self-advocacy skills, okay? So we want our students to be able to identify if they feel overwhelmed or frustrated or bored with the task and then teach them to problem solve to overcome or manage that feeling. We can also teach these skills through our class or a whole group, right? All of our students can use self-advocacy skills or the ability to really identify, does this make me frustrated or upset or is this just way too easy and boring and how do I problem solve so that I can overcome or manage that feeling? So in terms of behavioral teaching skills, you're going to just identify skills that that student might need to complete that task successfully or to be really engaged with that task. And then you're going to explicitly teach those skills. If it's like a behavioral type of skill or an executive functioning type of skill, you can use behavioral skills training that we've talked about a lot on this podcast. If it's some sort of academic skill, I usually recommend utilizing, you know, an instructional coach or somebody in the building that has a lot of knowledge based on um, evidence-based strategies for different academic areas and utilizing some approach in that area. That's not my area of expertise. So I would seek out somebody that does have expertise in that area around how to teach a specific academic skill that a student might be struggling with. Lastly, we're going to talk about consequence strategies. You all know that I hate the word consequence, so for right now we're just going to refer to it as outcomes, okay? So let's say that we put some of these antecedent and behavioral skills strategies in place, and now we have students who are engaging in completing work or tasks that they previously weren't doing, because you put so many of these great strategies in place, right? I usually would default to providing students with some sort of break. Because these are typically work refusal behaviors, typically they resulted or the outcome was that they were able to escape that task for whatever period of time they were able to escape it. Therefore, once they engage in the behavior, they complete the task, we then allow them that same break. Thus, we're rebuilding that contingency of when I engage in the task, then I get the break, as opposed to when I don't engage in the task, I get the break. So we just wanna rebuild that pathway. I will say that all of these strategies are going to take time to be effective. Right now, the student has a behavior that's working for them and the learning history is at play in this context, right? So if a student has had difficulty in math, even if you're building momentum with problems the student has already mastered or modified the assignment, it's gonna take several times of these types of interventions for the student to build that new contingency around these situations and engage in that task successfully. So just give it some time to work, really try and identify the antecedent and behavior teaching strategies that you can feasibly do in your classroom because feasibility leads to fidelity with intervention implementation. So if you're identifying the strategies that you can reliably carry out in your classroom, it's gonna lead to a lot more fidelity with these interventions and therefore over time, they're gonna be really effective. Just give it that time to work. Again, learning histories come into play with a lot of these work refusal type behaviors, meaning that if math is something that's been challenging for them in the past or something really boring for them in the past, we really have to rebuild that pathway, rebuild that contingency with some of these different strategies that we're putting in place. I did a whole episode on waiting out behavior change. So if you're interested, go listen to that with different strategies and how we really wait out this behavior change. Because sometimes, again, it can take a little bit of time for the change to occur. Now we're going to talk about some strategies that you can put in place if these things aren't working. Say you've implemented all these interventions with Fidelity and it's just not working and your student needs additional support. Okay, so here are some different strategies that you can utilize if that's the case in your classroom. The very first thing I would recommend is going on the thinkkids.org website and downloading some of their free resources around their collaborative problem solving model, okay? 
This is a model that you can use to problem solve with a student to lead to a more successful outcome. Okay, so it's a great model to use. They have a lot of good free resources. It's called the Plan B model. I highly recommend trying out this model, utilizing some of their trainings that they have so you can really carry out this model effectively. I would typically use it for a student if I've tried all these other things and they're just not working and now I'm going to take a, the next level approach to this behavior. This is something I would do prior to a functional behavior assessment, but after I've tried a bunch of like tier one based interventions that we previously just talked about in this episode. Those are some things that I would consider like tier one level interventions. The plan B model is something that I usually consider as like a tier two level intervention and then a tier three level intervention would be a functional behavior assessment and a behavior intervention plan. That's just kind of how I think of it. But again, if um, you're utilizing some different strategies in place and they're just not working the way that you want them to work, this is a great option for like a next step. You can also use this as your first step. I'm not saying you can't use it as a first step. It's just something that I typically use as like a second step. So that's why I'm talking about it in this way. But the collaborative problem solving model is something that you can utilize like on a whole class model or a whole group model, or you can utilize it more individually with a student. Again, it's something I typically reserve for, okay, put some interventions in place, not exactly working the way that I want them to work. Let's take the next step. Another thing that I would do if, you know, some of these strategies aren't working as effectively as you want them to work is really focus on the fact that we can't force students to do anything, okay? We can encourage the behaviors that we want to see in our classroom through antecedent and behavior teaching strategies, but we can't force anything to actually happen, right? I can't force a student to complete a task that I put in front of them or to complete some sort of work task in some way. So I really, really want to focus on the antecedents and behavior strategies. So if things aren't working necessarily the way that you want them to work, maybe go back and look at the antecedent and behavior teaching strategies and really identify, are these the right ones in place for this student? Really see if you can dig into any more assessing of the different skills and really identify, okay, what antecedents and behavior teaching strategies are going to be the most effective. I know I just said if those things aren't working, but sometimes we might put those in place and then after time we see, okay, they're not working as effectively as I thought that they would. You can go back and analyze your antecedent and behavior teaching strategies and really look at those more in detail and identify, okay, these are the ones that I need to be utilizing so that this student can be successful. If not, let's really, really try and focus on those and really identify the skills that we can teach so that our students are successful. Lastly, I always hesitate to take anything away. So a lot of times what I see for work refusal behaviors is that things are taken away. So for example, if a student doesn't complete a math task, we take away recess and we say, well, because you didn't complete it, now you have to do it during recess often the student doesn't actually complete the task during recess. So then, so then what, you know, what, what do we do after that? So I typically avoid taking things away. I've talked about natural and logical consequences on this podcast before. If a student doesn't complete a work task, it's not necessarily a logical consequence to then take away recess because recess has nothing to do with not completing a math task. I would focus on something else. If you are gonna utilize this strategy, then I really, really encourage that if a student doesn't complete a task during an allotted period of time and then you are having them stay in for recess or whatever it might be, that you utilize recess to build a skill with that student. Having them sit there and just try and complete a task that they might not know how to do is not gonna lead to the outcome that you want it to lead to. So if you are gonna utilize taking away recess for not completing a task, use that to build skills. Again, 
I really would encourage you to stay away from this because a student typically is not not engaging in a task because they're like, oh, I don't want to go to recess. And recess really has nothing to do with it. If a student doesn't know how to do something, making them do it during recess is not going to suddenly motivate them to engage in that behavior. We can't motivate a behavior that a student doesn't know how to do. We can help motivate skill building around that behavior, but we can't necessarily motivate someone into doing something that they don't necessarily know how to do. Again, I would always operate under the understanding that kids do things that they can do when they can do them. So if a student is trying to avoid or escape something, it's probably either not something they find really engaging or something that they don't have the skills to engage in in that moment, okay? I hope that makes sense. With work refusal, often if we build in these antecedent behavior teaching strategies, we can really develop the skills so the student doesn't wanna refuse the work in the first place. So those are basically all of the strategies I have for you for work refusal behaviors. I hope this episode was really, really helpful. If you are looking for different strategies that you can implement in your classroom around behavioral and social emotional learning skills, definitely check out my free behavior intervention guide that is in the description of this episode. It is a 20 page guide with a ton of different interventions that you can utilize in your classroom, all of which fall under the categories of antecedents, behavior teaching strategies, and consequences. So you can really, really build the skills of your students and so you can maximize their success. If you have any questions or you just want to carry out this conversation some more, feel free to send me a message over on Instagram at Teaching Behavior Together. I really hope this episode was helpful. Thank you so much for listening and have a great rest of the day.